a lie that the church told me was that because of uh, poor choices, because of past choices, that I wouldn't be able to serve God. Um, I can remember being 17 years old and finding out that I was going to be a daddy, finding out that my, my uh, then-girlfriend, my now-wife, was pregnant. And uh, I had my whole senior year ahead of me. I had my whole, uh, all my athletics for that year ahead of me. And all that was turned upside down in, in an instant when I found out that I was going to be a father. Um, and I can remember just as we decided and we tried to press through and, and do what was right in that situation, I can remember being around Christians and being around people at church. And there was always just this feeling, always felt like it was being whispered in my ear that because of my past choices, because of the example I had said, I wouldn't be able to serve God. And uh, I, it was this thing that just weighed me down forever because I felt like God wanted to use me and God wanted to do something with me. But I had been given the impression that I was damaged goods and that I wasn't going to be able to be used. And I can remember hanging out with a mentor of mine, a friend of mine, and, and him saying something to me I'll never, ever forget. I was talking to him about just feeling like God wanted to use me and that I wanted to serve. And uh, he said, you know, Ryan, before God called you to serve, before God uh, put that on your heart, he still knew you were going to make a bad choice. He still knew you were going to make that decision and that he can use you in despite of that. And I can remember just how freeing it was to come to the conclusion that God not only wants to use me, but he wants to use my past choices and that I can only do what I can do, but that God can He's the master of putting a story back together. And he's a master of putting our lives back together. And that through his grace and through his love, not only will he use what I can do, but he'll use my past choices to bring him glory. If I'll just get out of the way and let him do what he does. Um, There's a liberating thing to know that God loves me enough and that God loves me so much that not only he wants to use me to serve, but that he wants to take those bad choices and he wants to use them to bring him glory as a part of where his story came through and that he was made big in my life because I decided not to let those things hold me back, not to settle for being damaged goods anymore, not to settle for being uh, a bad apple, but to be determined that God was big enough to work through me even though people said he couldn't. church how y'all doing awesome welcome on this wonderful january cold day very cold but it's warm in here and it's because of the love my name is chris i'm one of the pastors here at one church and uh we're in the middle of our series entitled lies that the church told me and uh we're talking about that sometimes without meaning to the church can tell us some things that really doesn't quite add up to what the bible has to say now I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that's what we're talking about, but what we're doing over here on this hand is we're spending some time talking about our core values and our mission here at One Church. Um, last week we talked about basically one of our core values that the church is for everybody. The church is not just for a group of people. The church is not just for church people. The church is for everybody. Today, uh, I'll tell you the core value we're talking about today is that we believe that everybody's a 10 at something. Everybody has a chance and a place to be able to serve. Uh, but the lie that we're talking about today is kind of twofold, and it goes like this. 
The first one, I totally heard this kind of all growing up in church. And I, I heard it, but I even experienced it more just by people, the way they said and how they talked. And it was this way. It went like this. That to be used by God, I had to become a preacher or a missionary. That unless I became a preacher or a missionary, God really couldn't use me. Um, now, which is funny because I'm a preacher. But at the time, that's not what God had called me to do. God had really kind of given my gift in this. I love music. And uh, at the time, I, I played trumpet. I still play trumpet. And I'm like, how could God use that? And amazingly enough, God totally did that. He used me even though I wasn't a preacher or I wasn't a missionary. Um, I got to tour all around the United States with this tour group, this Christian tour group. And that's where I learned how to share my faith. That's where I learned how to read the Bible. And I got to see like 48 out of the 50 states. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't go to Hawaii by bus. It would have been a little wet. So anyway, uh, that's, but uh, you know, I think what's amazing about that is anytime you read the Bible, that the Bible, some of you know this, some of you may not because you may not be, have ever been to church before, but the Bible, it's one book, but it's really, it's, it's a collection of 66 books. And those 66 books, people wrote them. God was behind the scenes moving them, but people wrote those books. And let me tell you the type of people that wrote those books. The type of people who wrote those books were soldiers, um, ex-convicts, murderers, sheep herders, sheep breeders, amazingly enough. Um, fig pickers wrote that. I mean, some of y'all, you thought I just insulted you. You're a fig picker. No, a dude by the name of Amos, he was a fig picker. That means he was a picker of Figs, crazy, all right? He wrote a book, Amos did. You know what he called it? Amos, crazy, all right? I mean, you had tax collectors, accountants writing books. I mean, you, you see, you see the, most of the stuff that happens in the Bible doesn't happen through preachers or missionaries. You know who they happen through? Regular people like you, like me. So that's a lie. Let me throw you another lie that's kind of very similar to this one because so many times we don't believe God can use us because of our background or because maybe bad choices that you heard our family pastor Ryan, what he had mentioned, or, or maybe you just don't feel like you know enough, you don't have enough education. And that leads us to the second lie, and it goes a little, something, a little something like this, that God can't use me because I don't know enough. God can't use me because, you know, I don't have my life all together and I don't, I don't have all of my questions answered about the Bible. I don't, I, I'm not perfect in my Bible reading. I don't feel like I know enough Bible. And once I know enough Bible, then God will use me and I can start serving God. You know, I totally believe that is a lie. Because as I read through the Bible, God used some people who didn't have it all together and didn't have all of their questions answered. In fact, let me just say this. I don't have all of my questions answered. Some of you are going, you shouldn't say that out loud. You're a preacher. But I don't. And there are parts of my life that are clean and great and immaculate. And there's parts of my life that are just a little bit messy. You know why? Because I'm kind of like you. There are parts of your life that, you know what, things are going great. Now, parts of your life going, huh, I hope nobody sees that. Right? Because I don't have it all together. And all of us, none of us have it all together. And God still wants to use people like that. Some of you, you may be, I mean, you, came, you got here and like there was a line on check-in and, you know, you're like, okay, I, how many of y'all came with kids today? 
How many of you are happy that they're not with you right now? All right, go, go. All right, go. I mean, because somebody like, I, I wouldn't be able to understand or worship or listen because I would have my kids around me. And if you have your kids around me, that's great. It's no big deal. But so many times, we're just like, I, you, you show up and you go through the check-in system. And the reason why we do that is so that it's safe, so that nobody can pick up your children unless they have the tag that they, you gave. I mean, that's the reason we put those little numbers on the screen that you sometimes you might see. Um, but it's total safety for your children, and you go and you go to the ones, twos, threes, or fours, or one-way street, and you give your child to somebody else. And some of you are like, I don't know, I don't know if I trust these people. And some of you are like, please, God, take my children. But see, whichever extreme you're on, you give your child over to somebody who's smiling, and you may be wondering, why do they do that? They, their life must be perfect. They must have it all figured out. They must, I mean, they must have all of their questions answered about God and the Bible. And they, they're probably a super Christian, whatever that is. S, whatever it is. I want to say that they're not. God is using them, but they're just like you. And there are degrees of messiness in their life. And they still have some questions probably about some stuff. But what they've done is what our big idea is going to be talking about today. So before I get there, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, we give away Bibles for free here at One Church. You're welcome to turn to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be starting in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, if you have a smartphone, you can download version, and you can follow along with us just by uh, putting in the zip code here, 37042, and it'll show up and you'll see one church and, and you can follow along with us there. Or if you don't have a phone, welcome to the 19th century, you're welcome to follow along on the screens. All right, cool. I'm joking. Don't text me back. <clears throat> Anyway, all right, Matthew chapter 14, and before I get there, I, in fact, I'm going to read the first couple of words, and, uh, and I want to give you some context on that. It says, Jesus withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, I want to stop right there because I want to give you some context of what's happened. The reason why Jesus is one of withdrawal from the crowds here is because he just got some news. One of his family members was just killed. In fact, it was not only just a regular family member, it was somebody who he was very close to, somebody he did ministry with. His name is John, and John had a nickname. Remember what it was? John the Baptist. Now, some, that's not to be confused with Peter the Presbyterian or Frank the Lutheran. I'm just joking. The reason why John had the nickname the Baptist isn't because of denominational things. It's because he liked baptizing people. All right? Cool. So um, he just got word that his cousin, John, was locked up and was beheaded. So he's, he's a little shaken up here. He's like, you know, he's, he's just, I just, I just want to spend some time alone. I want to go to a solitary place. I'm going to keep on reading. Jesus withdrew by boat to a, a privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the what? Crowds followed him on foot. From the towns, okay? I want to stop right there. Let me tell you the reason why crowds followed Jesus. He was kind of like a rock star, all right? He didn't like dive off the stage like in a mosh pit. Some of you got scared. I know. You're like, dude, I ain't catching you. I'm moving, all right? 
I mean, he was like a rock star. And, 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 and think about it. If somebody showed up around the Clarksville, Nashville, Louisville area type of thing, and they said, you know what, I can heal you. And you may have some messed up kids who are, they're kind of following along with, and I can help them. And I, by the way, I can heal cancer. And if, you, if somebody showed up like that, you would drive. You would hang out with that person. Thousands of people would flock around that person just to get 10 feet. Maybe I could touch him. That's exactly how they were with Jesus. Because Jesus, he healed the blind. He made the people who couldn't walk in wheelchairs walk. Uh, he would show up to an entire uh, a, a hospital wing of sick and put all the doctors and nurses out of business. Because he was God. He was the Son of God. And he came when he showed up, everything changed. So thousands of people are coming from these towns and they're saying, i, I got to be next to Jesus. i got to hang out with him. And, and he just didn't uh, attract this, the good churchy crowd. We looked at that last week. He attracted tax collectors, prostitutes, and really, the Bible says in Luke 51, really notorious sinners. Keep on reading. So, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, what's that next word? Compassion on them, and he healed their sick. I mean, even though Jesus is tired, even though he's emotionally tired, even though he's just like, you know what, I just, can I just have a break? I just need just some time. i got to think about what's happened to John a little bit. He's going, you know what, I'm going to keep on going. And he was filled with compassion, and he started healing the sick. Now, verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, uh, the, the disciples were just 12 guys around him. He said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Listen to the heart of these disciples, how, I mean, how they just love people. Send the crowds away. <laughs> Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. There are thousands of people around Jesus. It's getting late. It's probably 4 or 5 o'clock. It's starting to get dark. I mean, the closest Mickey D's is a mile, you know, an hour and a half away. And nobody got there th by driving in their Lexus, BMW, Mercedes chariot. They walked, all right? So they showed up, and they kind of, because they wanted to hang out with Jesus, and it's getting late, and the disciples are going, you got to do something about this, Jesus. I mean, they, they're, they want some food. They're hungry, and we don't have any food. So send them away. Got to love the wonderful heart that these guys have. So thousands and thousands of people out in the middle of nowhere, and Jesus is totally in ministry mode. He's touching them. He's healing them. He's praying with them. He's talking to them. And the disciples tap Jesus on the shoulder. Excuse me. Psst. Come here. Now, what is, what is it, Andrew? Jesus, listen. You got to do something about you. If you don't do something... People are going to get hungry, and people are not going to want to follow you anymore. And, and you know what? you you got to meet their needs. And, 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 and you can't, and I can't, because we ain't got any food, so send them away. It's not going to get good here. It's, it's going to get ugly, quick. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied in verse 16, they don't need to go away. <clears throat> What's that next word? Okay, this is an off-skate morning. Some of y'all go, 
what's that next word? You give them something to eat. Time out. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, Jesus, that's great. You, you know, I didn't know you had a sense of humor. Let's bring it back to reality. And this is where the drama begins here. Because the sun's setting, they're nowhere close to anywhere. There are thousands of people who are following Jesus. And, and, and the disciple says, send them away. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And Jesus doesn't argue with them. He doesn't say, you know, they don't need to eat. Uh, and nobody is arguing about the need here. Nobody's arguing about the issue. The problem is, how is this going to happen? Yes, they're hungry. Yes, they're needy. But how are we going to feed them? That's the big question. It's the how. And he looks at his 12 followers, his closest friends, his disciples, and he says, you give them something to eat. (laughs) And immediately, they start thinking the way you and I would think. That's a good one. You give them something to eat. I mean, I don't, I ain't got anything. What I have is not going to be, it's not going to cut the mustard. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be able to be enough to be able to make it happen. I'm not capable of that, Jesus. Jesus, you're the miracle worker. We're not. We don't have that knowledge. You do, Jesus. And you're asking me to do something that I am not qualified to do. I don't understand to do. I still have questions about all of this stuff. I can't do it. The story goes on in verse 17. And the disciples say this. We have here only how many? Five loaves of bread and two fish. And one of them, one of the fish looks like a goldfish. I mean, in other words, we don't have what it takes. Again, we're not arguing that they're not hungry. Yeah, they're hungry. We just can't do it, Jesus. We got five loaves of bread and two fish, and that's not enough. That's not going to help them. They, it's, it, it's not capable. We, we just can't do it. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 18, I love this. Bring them here to me, he said. Jesus says, let me see it. Bring me those fish. Bring me those. Give me, bring me that bread. Give me that. Hand that over. Let me see what you have there. Bring me everything that you have. Bring me your full capacity. Let me touch what you think is not enough to get the job done. And I got to be honest with you. There have been times in my life that I didn't feel like I had what it takes to get the job done. There have been times in my life where I feel like I don't know enough. I don't have that much faith. I don't have that much whatever. I, I don't have it. I'm not capable. And Jesus says, that's not my question. I just want you to bring it to me. Will you bring it to me? What do you have in your hand? Five loaves of bread. Two fish. I can fit the two fish, not in the hand, but two fingers. They're small. Doesn't matter. You bring me what you have that you don't think is enough, and let's see what happens. Listen to what happens. Some of you, you've maybe grown up in church all your life, and you know this story. But I want you to just pretend like you don't know this story for a little bit, and I want you to put your 
feet in the moccasins of the disciples, what would you have done? He says this, Jesus said in verse 19, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. So Jesus is going, y'all sit down. And he tells the disciples, uh, Bartholomew, go out there and tell them to sit down. So he's going, sit down, sit down. You know, not like raise the roof, sit down, right? So they're all sitting down and thousands of people. I mean, they don't have a microphone or a bullhorn. They don't have any of that. So they have to go, sit down. So they start sitting down. Look at this. As everybody's having a seat, verse 19 says this. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Now let me tell you, if, if I was Jesus, this is what I'd have done. I'd have taken the five loaves and two, brish, two fish, went up to heaven and said, God, this ain't enough. You done messed up. All right, you got to do something right now. Aren't y'all glad that I ain't Jesus? Somebody's going, yes, preacher, amen. All right, because I would complain. What does Jesus do? He gives thanks. He gives thanks, and then he broke the loaves. It probably wasn't, uh, it didn't take long. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples do what? I mean, think about it. Just put your, put your feet in their sandals. Jesus, he's got everybody to sit down, so there's everybody's waiting expectantly. They're not leaving anymore. They're sitting. And Jesus gets the bread and the fish, and he breaks them. He gives thanks. He breaks them. And he gives Peter a piece of a loaf, not a whole loaf, because there's 12. He gives Andrew a part of a fish head. He gives Matthew the fish tail. He gives uh, Thomas, you know, Thomas going, I doubt I'm going to get anything. You know, that gun. I mean, he, he's given everybody little bitty pieces. And think about it, you're one of the disciples, and the crowd is behind you, and you just got a part of a loaf, a piece of bread. What am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to eat it? Should I plant it in the ground and maybe a beanstalk will come up? What am I supposed to do? And Andrew, what are you going to do? I ain't going to do Peter, you've got a big mouth. Why don't you turn around and start? No, I ain't doing it. I, what I got in my hand is not enough to get the job done. What is Jesus doing? Look at this. Let's see what Jesus is doing. He says this. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples did what? Gave them to the people. This principle, this, I, this big idea that we're getting ready to hit here, I cannot overstate enough because I've seen this happen in my life. Sunday morning, after Sunday morning, after Tuesday, after Wednesday, I, I experienced this when I was 18. I'm experiencing it when I'm 39. God, it's just amazing. What the disciples did is they took what they had, which wasn't much, in their hands. They took... What they had, and they did with what they had what only they knew what to do. And that is, here's a piece of bread. They took the little that they had, and they did what they knew to do with it. And Jesus, because he's God, he did what only God could do. And you know what we have? 
let me tell you what we have. Look at in verse 20 and 21. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now look at this. The number of those who ate was about what? 5,000 men. And they're not even including the women and the kids. What's the principle here? Here it is, the big idea. You do what you can do and trust that God will do what only He can do. Let's all say that. You do what you can do and trust that God will do what only He can do. You do what you can do. And some of you are going, I can't do much. I don't know much. I'm not the miracle worker. You know what? You don't know about my past. You don't know all the bad decisions I've made. You don't know about any of that. You don't know that. And God's going, yes, I do. Because it's only God who can take a mess and make a message out of it. God knows everything about your life. And he says, you, I want to use you. But I don't know enough. Yes, you do. Do you know me? Yeah, thanks. Then you can, you can be used by God. You do what you can do, and you trust that God will do what only he can do. And what happened was they had 12 baskets full left over. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about my story as the rest of the staff come out here. Um, you know, I uh, I graduated high school, and uh, God had really captured my heart and my life in high school and middle school, and I wanted to serve God. And I didn't know quite what it was. You know, I, I liked the whole music thing, and I enjoyed that, but I felt like God was calling me to teach, but I'd never taught before. And sometimes, you know, people, I, I'd go up and, hey, do you mind if I lead a Sunday school class at the church I was growing up in at the time? And they said, you know, have you ever taught before? Uh-uh. You know, a lot of times if you don't have experience, people won't hire you because you don't have experience. But how are you supposed to get experience unless you get hired? Anybody ever felt that? Thank you. Um, and, uh, man, I'll never forget. I said I wanted to teach adults, adult Sunday school class. They said, you're 18. You ain't an adult. I'm like, well, um, debatable. Um, and uh, they put me in charge of sixth grade boys. I was a Sunday school teacher for sixth grade boys. And I thought I was in hell. <clears throat> I'm like, I don't want to teach sixth grade boys. I want to teach, you know, people. So, <laughs> but you know what? It's amazing during that year because I, I didn't have any experience. I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I just hung out with the kids. We'd talk about Jesus. I took them canoeing a lot because I knew how to canoe. I, I just hung out with them. And you know what I experienced that first year? That I did what only I knew to do, because that's what you only know what to do, right? But God showed up. This past week, I ended up, my glasses, they broke. And I went to my eye doctor, his name is Gary Radish. And uh, every time I see Gary, he usually has tears in his eyes and he gives me a big hug. And this is what he said to me. And he says this every time. He says, thank you for pouring into my son Evan when he was in sixth grade. Because I was Evan's Sunday school teacher in sixth grade. And it was in that time that God captured Evan's heart. Now, Evan, he's went to college. He's graduated from college. He's got a nice job in Nashville. But he still loves Jesus Christ. And Gary, his father, 
every time I see him, it's like clockwork. And, you know, that happened 20 years ago. I'm, I'm going to turn 40 next year, next month. <laughs> but Why you are y'all laughing? Yeah, you, you can shut up, too. <laughs> uh, but you know what? My point is, that happened a long time ago. But God used me. And I still get teary-eyed to know that God can use a punk like me. What we're going to be talking about for the rest of time, and we don't have much time left, I just want you to hear from these guys. I, and hear me, I, we're talking about this not because we need workers. I mean, you know, that's not the issue. We're not desperate. All four of us want you to experience what we experience every week. And that's people experiencing life change. When the mess can give the message that God loves them. All right, guys, who wants to be first? Hey, guys, my name is Luther. Um, you know, when I think of serving, uh, what typically comes to mind is this whole guilt thing and an obligation and um, something that we stand up here and beat you to death with and tell you that if you don't serve, you're not going to grow as a Christian and that all Christians should serve. And, and, and I'll be honest, I believe that in my life, when I'm serving, I am growing because um, it's a humility thing. But, you know, serving is an opportunity. Um, if you're not serving, if you're not a part of the incredible things that are happening here at, uh, at one church, you're missing out. Um, when I see lives change here, when I see people baptized, um, I mean, there's things we know about because we're in staff meeting and they're private issues and we get to hear people's stories that sometimes we don't get to share with you guys. And, you know, I mean, I think of guys that, that, that several years ago were, you know, had drug addictions and their life was just a wreck and they were throwing marriages away. Um, and because of the way we do church here and because we don't do it in a church and that's extra work meeting at a high school instead of having a building that's just set up all the time. Um, but some of you would not go into a church. Um, but you'll show up to a high school because a friend invited you. Um, but because that guy was willing to come into a high school and hear about Jesus, his life has changed. He's met Jesus. He's, he's starting to build healthy relationships. He's, he's off drugs. And there's so many of those stories that I think about. And it's because people took advantage of opportunities to serve. Um, like Chris said, we're not desperate for people to serve. We are desperate, though, to see you find the joy that we have uh, when we see those lives changed and know that we get to be a part of that. Um, cool thing about my life, and I'm going to try to condense this down from first service so we don't go quite so long, but my life story, what should be on my tombstone, is God can hit straight with a crooked stick because that's my story. Um, I don't have it all together. Um, before I met Jesus, I, because of my type A personality, I was a really good sinner. Um, if you're going to sin, do it right. I did. Um, and then I met Jesus, and then I've messed up some since then. And I'm amazed that God lets me be any part of communicating with people, touching people's lives. Um, but he does, like Chris said. I, and, and he even uses my mess up sometimes as the way that I get to have the right to speak into people's lives. So. If you're not serving, don't worry about the guilt part of it. Just let that go. Know that you're missing an opportunity um, to be a part of something bigger than you and to see people's lives changed. Um, I just say that life change is 
the main driving force behind serving. Um, it's not um, so you can show up and, and hang out. That's a part of it. Um, it's not so you can be recognized. It's not, it's not any of that. But when we, when we think about um, serving and kind of what we want to accomplish as a church, we can't do it without you. Life change doesn't happen without you. Um, you know, I think of, of a guy, he's our sound guy, Josh Ayers. He gets here with me every morning at 5.30, every Sunday morning, and we set up um, most of what you see. Everyone else, there's a few guys that come in around 6, and then 6.30, the band gets here. And um, I think about Josh and how he is here every single week, and he does it every single week without complaining. Um, and I think about it, all that that guy has been able to see every time that someone comes down and they, they talk to us or someone accepts Christ or they choose to turn their life around, that guy has had a part of it. Um, see, because it's not just what happens on the stage. Um, there is so much more. There's, a, there's such a big, big part of our church that you guys never see. Um, because you see us singing on stage, playing music, you hear Chris or, or Ryan speak, and that's kind of the extent of it. Um, but without you guys serving, um, we don't see life change because we can't do it on our own. So that's just kind of, yeah. You want the mic now? Yeah, the mic. Um, I, you know, I, this is a, a subject that's close to my heart just because um, I would have never thought God wanted to, use me to do anything, you know, and uh, I think sometimes we just overcomplicate it, you know, we want to, we've got to figure out exactly what we want, you know, what we want to do, and got to figure it out just right, and you know, and it's just, what we want you to do is we just want you to do something, you know, figure out where God wants to put you, you know, and, and you know, if you would have told me six, seven years ago that I'd be, you know, working with kids and students and families, I would have been, you know, I'd have said there's no way, because I don't like kids or students or families, um, you know, I mean, I just, I wouldn't have thought that would be my thing, you know, I'd, but that's, I, st I started doing it, and God used me, and, you know, it's my passion. It's my life. You know, it's, it's, I love that I get to do my job every day. You know, I think the, the important thing for everybody to realize, I had a, uh, a, somebody that works with me say, uh, asked me that we were talking, and, and she said to me, and she's one of the most mature Christians I know. She, could, she blows me out of the water with her knowledge of the Bible. And I remember she saying, she's, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. And she was telling, we were talking about her talking to somebody. And I said something that was so profound, I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. Um, I said, it's not about realizing, uh, it's not about saying the right or wrong thing, but it's about realizing that you have something to say. That God put you where he's got you because you've got something to say. Your story is, he wants to use that to impact life change and to affect life change in other people. And that's just such a huge thing. And like, we just, we can't say enough. This isn't, we're not up here to guilt you into this. You know, if you walk out and you go home and have some lunch, cool. But we want you to understand that I can remember a few really clear events in my life, just like I was there now. And one of them was the first time I realized God was using me to affect somebody else, to affect life change in someone else. Little old me, idiot me that just made every bad choice that you can possibly make. He said, not only am I going to use what you'll do now, but I'll take all that old stuff. If you'll give it to me, I'll take all that old nasty stuff, and I'll use that for my glory because I'm that big. And so every time that I get to do something with a kid or a student or a family or an adult, you know, it's just that's a reminder that God is so much bigger. And there's just nothing that, you know, it's just, it's an unbelievable feeling to know that God wants to use me. So that's just, I mean, that's just the whole thing. Everything we do is a part of a puzzle here. Everything fits together from the people out in the parking lot 
to the people that smile at you when you walk in, to the workers, to, you know, to our, our Wonderland workers, our one-way street workers, the people up here. There's no one more important job than the other. Everything works together so that we can lead one church into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We drove around the other day in this town, and there's just house after house after house. And it's a staggering statistic of over 70% of people don't go to church anywhere. And the mission is huge. It's so important. But it's not like this cross that we bear. You know, we don't show up here every week because, you know, we're afraid Chris is going to beat us if we don't show. We show up because we love what we do. And we love getting to be used by God. You know, Chris will beat us, but it's no. Um, so that's just it. It's not a guilt thing. We just want you to be able to feel that, you know, where God uses you to do something so much bigger than you. Because we all want to be a part of a story bigger than ours. You know, I'm reminded, uh, I want to give you two instances before we pray and close. Um, I mentioned this dude first service, but some of you think, I, I just, I can't, I don't have what it takes. We got a dude, he's 16 years old, uh, his name is Garrett, he goes to the school, uh, he shows up every Sunday at 5.30 and sets up. Now, he can't drive here, okay, his dad has to bring him here. But he comes, and this young boy, Garrett, has influenced my son, Walt, who's 12. So much so that my son, Walt, wants to become like Garrett. And that wouldn't have happened had Garrett had not said, you know what? I'm willing to try something. Not sign my life over to a dotted line and say, i got to do something for six years. I'm willing to try something. So that's what we're going to ask you to do. Some of you, you're already serving, great. Some of you, you're like, I, I don't think I can. I hope you've heard from our stories as well as from this story from the Bible that God wants to use you. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to, um, here in a minute, the band's going to come out and they're going to play and uh, we're going to receive offering. And after that, you're going to leave out these two doors. And we're going to have some people uh, dressed in orange, or if they don't have orange, they may have a clipboard, and uh, you can go and say, "Hey, I'm willing to try to. I'm willing to join a team. I'll try it. You know, I, I'm willing to join media and help out with this stuff here. I'm willing to try it for six weeks. And after that six weeks, if it wasn't a good fit, then I'll try something else. I'm willing to help out in babies. I love children. I love babies, and I'm willing to try it. Let's see how it works for six weeks." Another, you know, I'm willing to be a greeter. True story. In fact, this lady who said this was in our 9 o'clock service. She told me uh, three or four months ago, I, I feel like I, if, I, if I become a greeter, it's kind of like a cop-out. Because, you know, you really don't do anything except, you know. And I, I need to be doing something for God. Let me tell you what. And this is what I told her. Let me tell you where the sermon and the worship starts. It starts out in the parking lot. How many of y'all... When you came in today, somebody handed your children a piece of candy and opened the door. You know, that, that makes a big difference when your kids want to come to church, doesn't it? When your kids, when they go into their children's environments and they have a teacher who's serving every week because we believe that the best thing your children need is consistency. So we ask our children's volunteers, I want you to serve one Sunday and I want you to serve one service, and I want you to go to one service. That's the reason, biggest reason why we do two services here. 
so that they can serve and still be fed. I mean, there, there's something about when somebody opens the door and says, welcome to One Church. And some of you are like, well, you know, I can't do that. If you can't do that, then you, I don't know. I mean, th- Luther says this all the time. He says the reason why we do church the way we do is in most churches you have to have a doctorate to serve. Let me tell you where you have to, to serve here. Some of you, you may not even love Jesus yet. But say, you know what, I'm willing to try. And maybe, just maybe, what starts as an obligation will become a passion. Because that's what happened to me when I was an 18-year-old punk. That God used a mess and created a message out of it. That God can do some amazing things. Just got to be available. Enough of me talking. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you still use people who don't have it all together. That you use people who struggle, who are a little messy, who have some questions. You use people who, well, to be quite honest, you use people just like us. Lord, I pray that everyone here today, they don't hear guilt, but they hear an opportunity. They want to look back just like I have been able to do and be able to look back and say, you know what, I didn't play the entire piece in somebody's story coming to know God, but I played a piece. I played a piece. Lord, how through Facebook and through people say, you know, Chris, you remember that time when? I was six years old, when I was in 10th grade, when I was whatever. You remember that time when you said, or when you did, God, I'm I'm thankful so much for the people here, people who do what many of us think is insignificant things, but are all very, very significant, because all of it is rowing in the same direction, and that's showing people Jesus. That it is Jesus who changes lives. It is Jesus who changes hearts. It's Jesus who gives purpose for life. It is Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that as we worship you, as we praise you, as we pray, Lord, that we would be able to just think, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm willing to join a team. I'm willing to try it just for a little bit. I pray that you would direct us. And I thank you for using us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.